Hi, and welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast, brought to you by Seasons Leadership, where we focus on helping leaders grow and succeed while building a powerful, supportive community. My name is Susan Ireland, and I'll be your host for today's session. It's my pleasure to introduce my co-host and co-founder of Seasons Leadership, Debbie Collard. Hi, Susan. Hi. If you are new to this podcast, please check out earlier episodes where you can find more information on your own leadership development. You can personally reach out to us by rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to receive your comments and feedback. If there is a special episode that is your favorite, take a screenshot of the episode and tag at Women in Leadership on your Instagram or LinkedIn stories, and we'll be happy to reach out and connect to you. Today, we have special guest, Susan Griffin. Welcome, Susan. Thank you. Let me tell you a little bit about Susan. She's been a nurse executive leader for 30 years, and she served in progressive leadership positions with over 22 years as a chief nursing officer in hospitals and the last six years as chief nurse executive for Methodist Healthcare System in San Antonio, Texas. She's been extremely blessed to work with many wonderful team members and has led and supported efforts to achieve Magnet Nursing Excellence designation and Malcolm Baldridge National Quality Award designation. An aspect of Susan's legacy is her mentoring of 10 nursing leaders to achieve their goal of becoming chief nursing officer, as well as multiple levels of bench strength her organizations. She has been part of numerous innovations and quality enhancements to achieve exceptional care for patients. She has been involved in multiple medical and other Christian mission trips, and a highlight was supporting the foundation and running of a medical clinic in Tanzania, which has cared for over 2,500 patients a month since its founding in 2009. Susan is passionate about excellence in leadership, mentoring up, and coming leaders, and serving those in need. Welcome, Susan. So let's get right into it. Let's go to the first question. Can you tell us, Susan, about who you are and what drove you to do what you've been doing? As you can tell from my intro, I I am someone who pursues excellence. And everything I do, I really do from a Christian framework. I I try to do everything I do all for the glory of God. And I um, that has really been my driving force in my life and really looking at things uh, from that perspective. That's great. Thank you, Susan, for that. And I can tell by the achievements that you've had that that driving force is foundational to you. And at Seasons Leadership Program, we, we also have a foundation and we believe there's a foundational leadership triad of vision, what you want to achieve, mission, why you do what you do, and values, how you go about doing what you do or what you're aligned to. Mission, or said differently, purpose or your why, is key a key part of that foundation. What would you say is your why or your mission? In the organizations I've served in, and I'll just disclaim this that just to say I, I am retired now, but um, it, it is very, very important for every organization to have a mission and a vision and values that they operate from. And the why that you mentioned 
is, is extremely key. Really, the why is why do you get up out of bed every day to do what you're going to do? And the why that we had at Methodist Healthcare was serving humanity to honor God. And what could be a better why than that? And then the vision was to finest care and service organization in the world. And we really believe that that should be a big vision, you know, something very large and in some ways unattainable, but something you're going to strive for. And then the values that we had, integrity, compassion, accountability, respect, and excellence are all values that obviously in healthcare, they're very important, but really we, I used to teach this to all the new employees. There are things we want to apply in our lives as well. And so I find and I have found that the, that the things that I've done in my professional career really blurred over into my personal life and how I decided to conduct my life, how I was wired to um, achieve. And again, with the, you know, the, the seeking to honor uh, Jesus throughout my life and make sure that he is known and made famous. I was very, very blessed to work in organizations that allowed that. Um, and that actually promoted that. Um, so it worked extremely well with my um, with who I am as a person. But I love, I, I will tell you that when I was, a couple of organizations I've been at, I was charged to be the chief culture officer. And that was to really drive home to every employee. And it's part of the Baldrige framework as well. You know, the mission, the vision, and the values. And it, they're not just nice words that are on a plaque hanging on the wall. They are how we do what we do every day. They're how we live our lives. They're how we address one another. They're how we really achieve excellence. And in that, the organization is going to be very um, sound financially. And we found as we drove a culture of our mission, vision, and values that our finances came along with that. And, and that's one thing that is also a standard um, thing that the Baldrige organizations have seen is when they have organizations that do that, this the financial success follows. That's fantastic, Susan. And, and a couple of things you said there I want to pull on a little bit more. Um, the reason that we at Seasons believe in that foundational leadership triad is also because of the Baldridge criteria. So, and we are aligned with that as well. I was so impressed that you were able to rattle off the vision and mission and values of the organization. You may not even know, but that's not a common thing uh, in non-Baldridge organizations. Certainly, it's not a common thing because they do tend to be just plaques on the wall when we all know that they really shouldn't be. They should be, you should be living them every day. And you mentioned that um, you really resonated with those values of the organization and that you were blessed to be able to work in an organization where you were aligned with those. But could you share with us what personal value or values you align with as a leader? As I was talking about on the earlier question about the I care values, the integrity, compassion, accountability, respect, and excellence, underpinning with that is really how our the lives that we live line up with those values. And the 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 you know very near and dear to my heart is the whole idea of transparency and humility and leadership and making sure that the people that you're working with see that in the way you conduct yourself as a leader. And I did. I have had many leaders who I've worked with share with me how 
how it was such a big part of their lives to see me being very transparent and showing humility, you know, throughout the course of my career. Susan, what successes are you most proud of? Professionally, (laughs) I would say, um, well, I could do personal or professional, whatever you prefer. Do both. Okay. So professionally, I would say when when we achieved the the Malcolm Baldrige Quality National Quality Award when I was at St. David's Healthcare in Austin, uh, that was a big one because it's rare for healthcare organizations that are multi-organization um, achieve that award. It's very hard because when the examiners come, they're looking at the entire you know eight eight facilities. Um, and, and many other things, physician groups and all t- types of things. So that was a huge win and also achieving magnet status, which is the like the Baldridge for, for nursing uh, excellence. And so those were two career highlights. I would say personally, as Debbie mentioned in my intro, the starting up of the clinic in Tanzania with our family. What was so special about that is that we were involved before, you know, in the beginning in supporting that um, all the way from the purchase of the land to the opening of the clinic and taking a bunch of, you know, suitcases filled with medical contraband um, into the country (laughs) to uh, be able to start that clinic up, but just how God worked in that and had his hand all over that. So that was that those are just a few highlights. Um, Now tell us how you celebrated those successes. Well, I think that's a great question because I don't think organizations and individuals and teams celebrate near enough. And I think that the in 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 the corporate world, it's okay. What's the next thing we're going to do? What have you done for me lately? That type of thing. And as I was um, going through my career, I always was extremely intentional about celebrating. And it can be as small as writing a handwritten note to someone to as big as having a giant, you know, party and or taking people to lunch or dinner or, you know, also just celebrating people in, in public, um, making sure that you're able to make much of an accomplishment or things that have been done. And I do remember after the after the uh, magnet win it was so special because, you know, we were able to celebrate in front of the examiners and um, we had, you know, a hundred people in a room and it was just, it was just huge and just a lot of hoopla and just to see the excitement and the electricity and the, and just the, 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 um, the gratification for all the hard work that had been done. That's, that's great. But now I'm going to push you a little bit because we also believe that it is important to celebrate ourselves. I think it helps with our resilience and our motivation. And so how do you celebrate your successes yourself? You know, I think just being able to reflect uh, back on, and, and part of that would depend on what it would be, but um, just be, you know, just the, the thankfulness of being able to be so blessed to work you know, in an organization and with a team of people. Um, And I always am very quick to say, look, any accomplishment that happens is not the result of one person. It is the result of many people. And especially in my healthcare career, you're working with teams of people 
from different disciplines. And it takes every one of those people to make things happen. And I truly love that fact. And I, I am, I shy away a little bit from people doing that for me because I just feel like we're blessed with so much that it's really hard to take credit for anything. I like to give all the glory to God and, and Christ in my life for any accomplishment. That is, that is wonderful. But I'm telling you there, Susan, I, I'm going to push you even more because we really believe that it's important for um, women to take the time to recognize what they've done. And I, and women in general, uh, this is very, um, you know, in general, but we don't take credit um, and we do uh, give credit to our teams, which you're totally right. I mean, it's never usually an, an individual that actually gets something done, but, but we shy away from, from taking that credit and, um, and, and celebrating and maybe going out to dinner or getting a mani-pedi. I know those are just silly little things, but I know I'm, I'm pushing you because, uh, <laughs> I do think, I do think self-care is extremely important. Um, Debbie knows she sees me all the time in the neighborhood. I'm a runner. I run with my, my dog. Um, but for me, just celebrating, I love being with people that I love being with family um, who doesn't love a good day at the spa um, and getting a massage or whatever? Those are all really nice things. When I re- when I retired, they had a very nice um, celebration for me, and I felt very loved. And um, but it was a lot to the words that people said about how I had supported them, how I'd mentored them, how they knew I had their back, um, and how I was somebody who they knew they could trust. Um, as their leader. And those were all things that were just a great way to celebrate. Thank you. And thank you for allowing me to push on you a little bit. (laughs) It sounds like since we're in the same location, maybe a spa day is in order. Just saying. I think that would be good. (laughs) Love it. La Cantera Resort and Spa. Here we go. Exactly. (laughs) So let's switch gears just a little bit, Susan, although not, not significantly. In your bio and the descriptions you've given so far, you've had several significant leadership roles. And even though you're retired from the profession you were in, you're still in leadership roles. Can Thinking about those different leadership roles, were you prepared to step into them? And why or why not? I would say that for the most part, I was very prepared. Um, I There were some roles that I advanced to that I had back back when I was still like a vice president over like multiple departments or whatever. There were departments that I had that I knew nothing about. And I would say I had, it was a bit of a learning curve to understand how they worked, you know, how the people functioned within them and what were the particular things clinically, because that was more of a clinical setting. When I when I advanced to the chief nursing officer role, uh, I w- I have I will say that I've always been blessed with great mentors, and I would encourage every woman in leadership listening to always have a mentor, have someone who's a safe person to talk with, to give you honest feedback, and um, to be able to spend some really quality time with you on developing your career. I I have had some amazing mentors 
and have been able to give a lot of credit to them for believing in me and really, you know, uplifting me to be able to advance in my career. So I would say for the most part, I was prepared, but, you know, there's always things that you run into that you're like, whoa, I did not know I was going to encounter that. And part of that is just growing an executive presence and learning how to handle difficult situations, difficult people, my normal bent would be to tell it like it is and be very straightforward. And sometimes you have to learn how to soften that approach a little bit. And that that would be something I would say that I really learned as I advanced, you know, up the ladder of, you know, executive positions and so forth. And, you know, really learning, learning how to be a little more correct in my, my approach on, you know, dealing with problems or, you know, when I knew someone was wrong, you know, and they didn't know they were wrong, you know, how, how's the great best way to help them understand they're wrong so they'll see it your way and do what you want them to do, um, particularly bosses. You know, those are the ones that you have the more difficult time with. So um, those, those were just some things that I had to learn. But, you know, I don't think anybody steps into a new role and totally has a handle on it. Very good point. It is it is often difficult and we're all often using those roles as growth positions. And you mentioned several things that you learned along the way, making sure you had a mentor to help guide you and a safe person to talk to and learning about executive presence and uh, how to approach people on things when you needed to be in an influencing role. But did you have a roadmap of any sorts to guide you in your journey? Wow. So I'll tell you a funny story. So when I took my very first leadership role, it was to be a manager of a, of a critical care unit. And I had been a, a nurse in critical care. And the way that it worked back in those days, and it probably does still work that way to a certain extent, is they were like, man, you're a really good nurse. You're a great clinician. We have this leadership job. Why don't you apply for it? And so I was like, wow, okay, I'll apply for that. That sounds really cool. So I applied for it and I got the job. And I will honestly say that was the one job that I really did not have any idea what I was doing. It was my very first leadership job, but I did get, I did have a wonderful mentor who, you know, helped me. And she basically said to me, look, you don't really know what you're doing. So you really need to go and get some leadership training. And um, so I actually, I was living in Amarillo, Texas then, and I actually went and I took a leadership certificate course at the local college, Amarillo College. And that was all I knew to do back then. They didn't, you know, this was like in the mid eighties and there, you know, there weren't a lot of options available. So I, there weren't any internet. I don't even know if it was invented by then. I don't think it was anyway. So I went to this course and, um, and it really did open my eyes to many things. And it really helped me on my journey to become um, to become a leader. And then of course, having the mentor that I had, um, who actually was the executive, she was the, the nurse executive for that large level one trauma center. And I was, when I look back on it, I'm like, why did she mentor me? Well, I was just like a nurse that became a manager, you know, the first level position up and, but she must've seen that I had some kind of talent or something. And, um, and decided to invest in me. And thank goodness that she did, right? And <laughs> I hope you yeah. went back and thanked her for 
doing what you say that you do, telling it like it is and taking mm-hmm. you aside and saying, uh, I think you need this. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I probably didn't thank her enough, but she was wonderful. Well, you certainly uh, paid it forward too with all the mentoring that you've done. Yes. Well, nursing is a hard job. And resilience, I think, is probably one of the key skills or attributes that you have. Can you talk about resilience and what role that has played in your journey? Yes, I I think you're you're hitting the nail on the head about resilience. If you're not resilient, you're not going to survive. And and especially in these leadership roles and in many of the leadership roles, I, you know, I I was the only woman on the whole executive hallway and I was surrounded by financial officers and executive officers and operating officers and chief medical officers who were all male and nothing against men, but, you know, they don't totally see things, you know, from our point of view. And, and so I think really being able to like you were talking about earlier, take time for myself, um, whether it be in learning something new or running or, you know, whatever hobby, I don't really have any hobbies, but some other people may have hobbies. But I, I, I think that um, those types of things are extremely important, staying fit, eating right, sleeping, trying to sleep enough, all those things um, are super important. And having a from from it for me my blessing you know besides um my 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 relationship with Jesus my husband who is extremely supportive has been a key driving force in in my ability to succeed and i you know and i didn't mention earlier that you know i have three children and or we have three children and um there is no way i could have done the things i've done if he had not been a supportive husband and Done that. I remember when I was going to grad school and I had to drive because we didn't have internet. We would go, you know, three or four hours to this this um, Bellarmine University that had an outreach to the this, you know, in Kentucky, and we would drive there. I dro- drove there with a couple of guys, and we had classes on Fridays and Saturdays. And um, without my husband t- being at home and taking care of the kids, that would have never happened. And being supportive of that and saying, yeah, this is something you need to do to continue to grow your career. And so those things help you be resilient, being well-rounded. You can't just do work all the time. And I know people that do that and they're not that much fun to be around, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are the greatest leadership challenges you're facing right now? Well, I mean, I would just, I'll take it back to, since I'm not like in a leadership role right now, um, I could be in the future though, you never know. Um, but what I would say right now in, in healthcare, it's really, it's really a difficult time because of COVID, of course, and the uncertainties there, um, the, the strain on the, on the workforce, especially the nursing workforce, it's been huge. Um, it's taken a toll on people and, I think that, you know, those are just tremendous challenges and also all the natural disasters that occur. I know that people that aren't in healthcare don't think about it, but when there's a hurricane, people in hospitals don't typically evacuate. They're there. And, you know, I, I have been through six hurricanes in my career and I slept on the floor of my office many times because 
No one leaves um, in, in snowstorms and ice storms or whatever kind of weather you're in. You know, you're not leaving. You're there. You're with your staff. You can't go. You have to be there to lead them. And they have to see that you're there supporting them. And so I think there's tremendous uh, strain, but there's also tremendous upside in the ability to really make an impact on people's lives. And I think that that is, that's what makes nursing and, and being in leadership, you know, in that field, such a tremendous blessing. Absolutely. And, and thank goodness for those of you that do stay throughout natural disasters because you're needed. You're needed by many, many people, and it makes a huge difference. Um, Susan, you've mentioned several different um, career phases that you've had and things you've done, and, and your husband, David, taking care of the children while you were in grad school, etc. Many women that we talk to leaders in general, but especially women, struggle with a work-life balance and achieving some sort of balance in that area. How would you say that you've optimized achieving priorities you have with all of your personal and professional commitments? Yeah, wow, that is a, Debbie, that's a great question. I think, you know, I think back to when I've had to talk to people who are on my team who don't do that very well. And I've told them, you just have to do this. I mean, it's an intentionality in your life, in your schedule, in how you do what you do. How do you plan your days? Do you have any margin whatsoever to do the things you need to do to take care of yourself? And I've known a lot of people that don't <laughs> probably more that don't than do, honestly. And I, one goal that I had was that if I was going to do this, because, you know, being, being a working mom and raising kids along with my husband and being involved with all our kids, sporting events and church things and mission trips and all the stuff we were doing, you know, you, you had to really stand up for that. And there have been times, and I'll be real honest, where I had to tell my boss, you know, hey, this is something we had planned and, you know, he, they, something will come up and they're going to want you to let that go and not do it. And, and, you know, short of some kind of a natural disaster, like we were talking about, I have made that a big priority. And I made sure that my bosses knew that, you know, work-life balance, family, you know, doing things with our church and things like that were always very important. I, I honestly believe that when people do that, they're much better at leading. Because you have to fill your bucket back up. And if your bucket's always being dumped out and depleted to, to, to serve others and to mentor others and to do the work that you're doing, then it's very, very difficult to be able to continue to do that because eventually you'll burn out and you won't be any good to anybody. Absolutely. That's fantastic advice for people in leadership positions or even just in the workforce in general. What other advice would you give to women embarking on a leadership journey? Oh, man. I think one thing we haven't covered is, and I meant, I, I was trying to think of the word, but authenticity is huge. You have to be who you really are. And you know, it's kind of like that line in Aladdin where, where Aladdin says, you know, be yourself, you know, 
he's like a bee or whatever. But anyway, it's just kind of a funny line in Aladdin. And but it's a very true statement. And you do have to be yourself. You have to be true to yourself. You can't be somebody who you're not. And even as you progress up in the leadership ranks, you know, people still I was known for a sense of humor and being really transparent. And, you know, if I thought something was a really dumb idea, you know, I would tell people. And, you know, in a very professional, you know, nice way. But, you know, I think that people that I worked with really appreciated that. And I had I had a little bit the reputation was that they would say Susan always says the thing that everybody else is thinking, but they're afraid to say. And I really believe that in part of my leadership journey and training is that I learned that, you know, we get better ideas and better outcomes if people are are leading in an environment where they feel free to speak up, where, you know, people would tell me, well, I would have this crazy, audacious idea. And they would say, Susan, that is not going to work. And here's why, you know, and so it's called reality check, right? Um, And so I think it's really important to foster an environment where people feel like they can speak up, where you are very authentic. And then people see that and they want to be authentic. Right. I want to jump in with a question that's a little bit tangential to that. And that is, you've had a long, successful career. Did you ever feel pressure to not be yourself or to be somebody else in order to be successful? That's a really great one, Susan. I, I honestly feel like I... I can really say I've been very blessed to work with people who appreciated me and my, my skills and abilities and, and the things that I brought to the table. I can't honestly say that I was ever asked to do anything. I, I had one organization that I worked in that I felt that the CEO was treading in a, in a direction that could have been very disingenuous and, um, lacking integrity. And I decided to leave that organization and go to a different organization. And that was a really hard decision, but I felt that I was making it for the right reasons. And so I graciously exited that organization and actually went to work for the competition, which was an interesting journey. But I I think sometimes, and and I bring that up just to say that sometimes when you're in a leadership role, you'll have to make a decision that is hard. Um, It would have been easier just to stay and kind of live through that and hope for the best or whatever. And I just felt that I could not do that in good conscience. And I I just decided it was a better decision to, to remove myself from the situation. I I think you're not alone and many people we talk to are facing those challenges. So thank you for sharing how you dealt with that. What types of support do you need to be successful in achieving your goals? I think the number one support. So in my roles at, at my role as chief nurse executive and before that as chief nursing officers, officer for for multiple different hospitals, I think the the main driving factor was the support of the CEO. So the person that that I reported to. And if that person believes in you and they, you know, they they know that you're competent and that you've demonstrated that competence, 
um, there's a there's a trust level that begins to develop. And, you know, fortunately, I got to work with a lot of great CEOs. Most of them were really amazing. Um, and so they they did believe in me and I, it really allowed me to achieve, I think, to my my greater potential because of that. And and so I, I think that's a key factor. I also think that having and creating a team, I always used to tell the CNOs, the chief nurses that worked with me here in San Antonio, you know, the most important thing you can do, and we had a lot of them that became new CNOs during my tenure. And I would say the most important thing you can do is the, the, th- the relationship with your CEO, that's number one. And then number two is you've got to develop a great team around you. All your directors of your various departments, all you have to have a, a trusting relationship and you have to create an environment where you're, you're attracting the very best talent to help achieve your goals. And a lot of times that involved having to turn over some director roles because there were people that had been in that role for a long time that were not able to do the job. And they they were really going to self-select out. Um, and, and I think that's another aspect of leadership that people don't like to talk about that much, but sometimes you do have to help people go be successful elsewhere when they're just not able to, either they can't or they won't do what needs to be done to get the job done. And they're not either that or their head's not in the game or whatever it may be. Um, and I, I've had to do that. I've had to exit some chief nursing officers myself. So, um, but you do have to be willing to make those hard decisions. Well, Susan, thank you. This has been the most amazing um, interview and discussion with you because I've learned so many things and was taking notes on some of the tips you gave. But to end on a high note, we have one final question for you. If you could be any cartoon character or famous person, who would it be and why? That is that I saw that question. I That's a really hard one for me. I don't I can't see myself really being a cartoon character. <laughs> um, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, then famous person, you know, famous. Famous person. I, you know, I got to go with, um, I love Billy Graham and I know he's a man, uh, but he was a man, but he was the quintessential evangelist and his message never changed. And he had integrity. Uh, nobody could ever say anything negative really against him. He was preaching the gospel always and um, just love Billy Graham. <laughs> Okay, wonderful. Well, I just I have to throw in one last one because um, I really now have a better idea of who you are, Susan. And I am really curious about where are you going next? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, Debbie knows she sees me a lot in the neighborhood and we, we have fun together um, in our we have a little club in our neighborhood that we were a part of. Um, and we you know, I, I don't know. I've done a lot of volunteering. I've been retired now for about a year. I do have a couple of potential professional opportunities on the horizon, which I'm, I'm not allowed to talk about yet. But, um, but you know, I continue to do, do service work and, um, you know, Christian endeavors. And, you know, I was the co-director of our vacation Bible school at church, which was, was pretty insane. And I realized how hard volunteering is when, you A, don't get paid for it, and B, you can't control any of the people that you're working with. Um, so those are really 
learning lessons. And then I did get to go on a couple of mission trips this summer. And um, I do love Africa, as, as we talked about earlier. And I, and I am on the board of, a, of, the, of the nonprofit that supports this clinic. And we also do work in other countries where there are, there's a tremendous amount of poverty and need. And so I, I hopefully will get to go on, on some trips overseas. Um, so those are just a few of the things that are cooking. That's a lot. <laughs> hey, at least she gave herself a year of being retired before she's diving into this again. So yeah. good on you. Good on you. Thank you. Thank you, Susan, for taking the time to share your personal stories and inspirational ideas with us today. A special thank you also to the people who make this podcast happen. And we couldn't do it without you. Marianne Metz, the media and brand manager for Women in Leadership. Lauren Penning, our communications and marketing leader for Seasons Leadership. And of course, Eric Wilson, our producer for the Women in Leadership podcast series. Thank you all. Please tune in on Women Wednesdays for upcoming episodes where we'll be interviewing more great leaders just like Susan. We'll see you next time. Have a great day.